0: Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls.
1: And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hi friends, welcome to episode 146 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. This week we are bringing you another adoptive dad Greg is a friend of Lisa and me, and he is also a part of our Adoption Connection team. So we're really excited to bring you his story, not just about how he and his wife became adoptive parents, but also how he found himself as part of our team here at the Adoption Connection. Greg Lombard
0: Ray is an adoptive and bio dad, a former pastor, a trust-based relational intervention practitioner, and a post-adoption support specialist. Greg has been providing post-adoption support for families for a number of years. He recently joined us at the Adoption Connection, and he facilitates a group for dads in our membership community, The Village. He also provides private coaching. So let's hear my interview with Greg. Hello, Greg. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast.
2: Thank you. It is great to be here with you.
0: Well, it's sort of funny to welcome you to the podcast because you are not new to the Adoption Connection. You're a little bit new, but you've just never been on the podcast. And, you know, I would love for our listeners to get to know you today because you're an important part of the Adoption Connection now.
2: Yeah, I am absolutely thrilled and honored to be a part of the Adoption Connection now because I've been I started listening to the podcast well over two years ago.
0: It's amazing what, what God can do, right? Like it was yes. so unexpected for all of us. So anyhow, before we get into what you're doing with the Adoption Connection, which we will share, I would love for you to tell our listeners how you became an adoptive dad.
2: Kim and I were co-pastors. We'd been, we'd been doing pastoral ministry in churches for a long time, and we were in a church in Salina, Kansas, and in September of 2008... Uh, at the end of September, I got an email from my sister in, in another state saying, hey, our great niece and nephew have just been put into the system. There was social services, but please pray. So he said, OK, we'll pray. And then in the early November, they were placed in a group home. And in early November, she writes again, we've got to pray. There's nobody on either side of the family who can take these kids. They're going to end up in foster care. One's going to end up in an institution, but all of this panic. And I read that email and it kind of knocked me back on my heels. And I talked to Kim about it and she said, well, we need to, we need to pray about this. Um, And so we did and and I went and prayed and, and my fun part is I'm not Methodist, but I love Wesley's quadrilateral which is um, how God's revelation comes through scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. So I sat down in my meditation spot. I was just sitting there with my Bible and just quieting myself. And I said, okay, what does scripture say about this situation? And in my head, I heard my Bible laugh at me. (laughs) Like, really, we need to spend time figuring out what I say about orphans. (laughs) And I said, Okay, never mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, check. Check that one off. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And then tradition, longstanding um, reason. It made logical sense and experience. My experience said that Kim and I were amazing parents. We were so good. We did great with our older girls. And oh, my gosh, this is going to be a piece of cake. We're obviously equipped to take care of these two kids. Little did I know. (laughs)
0: But, you know, that's a big part of our story too. We had seven kids. We felt like we were great parents. We had been parents for 20 years when we adopted our kids. And wow, wow, we were knocked to our knees for sure and had to rebuild. So I want to hear that part of your story. But so how old were your older girls grown and out of the home?
2: They were uh, a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And how when, old
0: were the children that you uh, were? They growing? were four
2: and six at the time. Um, living in another state. And so when Kim and I came back together, I think she'd already decided before we decided to pray about it. I think she'd already decided Mm we were going to do this. But when we met, she says, okay, this is on you. You work with the social worker. You take care of this. I said, okay, I'm in. So I called the social worker, senior social worker, Jennifer, and I said, hey, we're kind of interested. but you know, wondering if reunification, last time when we tried to get my daughter, she's six now, she was six months, we actually tried to, to get her when she was six months of age as well. The social worker said, I think we can assume that reunification is no longer the goal. My niece, uh, she just had too many issues. She, she loved her kids with a passion, but she couldn't put that love into action to save their lives and that was just that was just the struggle. So I called her 10 days later by that time even 10 days later Kim had taken over the job. I think my she's an enneagram 1 and I don't think I was doing it perfectly. <laughs> she said, "Get out of the way, I got this." So she gets the call from our local social worker Bob and she gets off the phone and she's weeping because Bob speaks Rather slowly. <laughs> and she says, no, no. We're going to get these kids into our home by Christmas. And he's going to be in the way. Well, he called her the next day and said, the funniest thing happened. All my other cases resolved themselves. And I really only have this case to work on. Wow. So all of the paperwork. We built a, a new bedroom in our basement. Um, just did all of that work. So that was early November. Uh, it was November 4th, I think, when I called the social worker and we got word. And on December 22nd, we picked up our, our new kids to, to bring them home. And so we became a, a family of six on December. Tw- we came home on 20, the 23rd on December 24th. I bought a minivan because <laughs> our car wouldn't fit a family of six. And wow. then that night at the Christmas Eve service, uh, the six of us plus my father in law and some other family members all came, and and uh, so we lit the the Advent and the Christmas candles together as a family.
0: Wow! At your service at your church.
2: Yeah, at the service at the church.
0: <laughs> That's just so amazing how quickly that works. But you know, when God makes the plan and all we all we have to do is step into it and follow, it can it can move kind of quickly, you know. Yeah. Not not easily though, right? I mean, this is not an easy thing. So you thought you were awesome parents. You had a lot of experience. What happened after your kids came home?
2: We were really good. We were strong. We both have master's degree. Kim was an educator. And so by our sheer strength of will, we survived.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
2: just did it. And it was hard and it was difficult. But as the kids got into the teen years... And then when my son turned 13, uh, I was in middle school and a big blow up. Um, it happened. Uh, it was seventh grade in his seventh grade. At the end of his seventh grade year, a big blow up happened at school. And it was bad, really, really bad. And that was at the beginning of May. And by the, and the end of May, we had a tornado warning. It ended up sc- hitting the edge of town, jumping over, and then hitting the edge, other edge of town. But it wasn't a problem for us. We have a basement. We have a big screen TV down there. So tornadoes were always, you just go to the basement. We put on TV. We bring stacks down. It's a good time. But my son, now I know, he was totally, completely dysregulated. And instead of going to flight or freeze, he was in fight. And when he's scared... He focused on his sister, a year and a half older than him. So he was in her bedroom. He was fairly just in just going, going, going. And I'm just ramping it up, trying to trying to become scarier
0: mm-hmm. and
2: trying to get him. I like, set up a space, just stay, put up a wall around a bed. You're comfortable, you can see the TV, just stay in there. And he wouldn't do it. It, it was just that was uh, it was bad for the next hour or so. And nine thirty at night, probably, I just sank into the comfy chair in the living room and just went what i don't understand what are we doing and Kim came from downstairs where our daughter was, and she sat on the couch next to me, got out her phone, went onto to Facebook and the next thing I know, I hear from her phone coming um from with chris turner 's voice saying, "Welcome to the uh empowered to connect podcast today we're going to talk about why traditional parenting doesn't work with kids from trauma and i went what excuse (laughs) me there's a thing and and in the show notes it talked they talked about empowered to connect of course and they talked in the show notes there was karen purvis and tbri at tcu and we're going we're both graduates of tcu how do we not know about this well we were we left there before karen purvis started at TCU. And so we discovered it. And a couple of days later, I discovered the Kansas Post-Adoption Resource Center and we got free TBRI training through that. And so we began our journey uh, for that time. By that time, Kim had already told me um, the summer before, she said, okay, you were away at camp with our daughter. That was great. That was wonderful. I was home alone with our son and you're never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will never stay home alone with him again. You know, as that testosterone starts to fire up and the changes start to take place in the brain, his dysregulation, his lack of impulse control, and then that testosterone with the, the fight rather than flight or freeze, that was hard for her.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if he was aggressive, that's very scary. Yeah. You know, and he even- hadn't
2: been physically aggressive, but he was verbally, oof. Oh,
0: Yeah, we definitely came to a point in our own lives where I we couldn't function as only one of us. We had to have more than one adult. It was just too much and too scary. And we had lots of other little kids. And so I understand that very, very well. So you began to learn. Okay, well, let me ask, let me back up and ask a question. Was there any part of you that was a little afraid to walk away from traditional parenting or afraid about what other people would think if you walked away? Like were you steeped in parenting stuff in the church or was it just sort of a small?
2: That's a, that's a great question. We were not, um, Kim had become uh, or she did active parenting and we had learned uh, love and logic and had been using that and things so when I learned the new way, for me, instinctively, both of us, in if from an intellectual point of view, we said, duh, this type of parenting is a no-brainer. However, it turns out emotionally and habit-wise um, and frustration-wise and not having all of our attachment work done and all of that stuff – it was tough to bring it into our lives. You know, it was challenging at times, in, especially in the face of certain behaviors.
0: I mean, I think a lot of us we begin to learn this new way. We understand it's the right way, but then we think, "Is it really working? Like, wouldn't would it be better if we reverted back to these old ways of parenting?" And then sometimes you get couples who are in conflict over that too.
2: And for the most part, we were not. I was lucky that that both of us were there. When one of us was trying to TBRI, the other person was dysregulated. That's where the tension came and it yeah. would go back and forth. Now, mm-hmm. it, it was lovely when both of us were on the TBRI page.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you first heard about it on the Empowered to Connect podcast, which I love and which is now that was was it Ryan and Kayla North? Yeah, it is. And it's now
2: the Empowered Parent Podcast. The Empowered Parent
0: Podcast, right. There is still an Empowered to Connect podcast, but it's a different podcast. It's also very wonderful. So we have all of these wonderful ones. Yeah. Um, So you first heard about it. You saw some things online. And did you just read some books and just start doing it? What happened?
2: Um, We we must have gotten the Connected Child. And um, I listened religiously to um, Ryan and Kayla's podcast um, and then discovered the Adoption Connection. And so listen to those and every, I think my biggest education was that and then finding what I could online and then developing a relationship. Um, Clarissa, we invited Clarissa from the Kansas Post Adoption Resource Center to come up and she taught, we hosted at our church uh, in the, the TBRI caregiver trainings. And then we hosted the church. I partnered with a couple of organizations in town, and we hosted the two-day Empowered um, Conference. The, in, the
0: Empowered, back when it was Show Hope's Empowered to Connect Conference with a simulcast? Yes.
2: And so we hosted that. And so we immersed ourselves in as much TBRI as we could. And I listened to the podcast every time I was in the car because I had to change my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, as as much as I love the ideas, my brain literally needed to new pathways, and yes. so that's why I listened to y'all's podcasts just over and over mm-hmm. to get that in my head.
0: Well, somewhere along the road, you became a TBRI practitioner. That's that's there's kind of a leap from parenting using TBRI to actually becoming a practitioner, which we also did. So, how did that come about?
2: Well, by by 2018. I we had it'd been probably twenty three years of ministry in in Salina at that church, and Kim had been with me we'd partnered for fifteen years, and then she left ministry to stay at home with the kids because things had gotten along so speaking of of grief kinds of things, you know she lost her her calling and her ministry to mm-hmm. to stay home, but she was better at it at home than I was, so I continued on but then um we went to a two-day event with Amber Givens and Amanda Purvis. There was a big two-day conference here in Topeka, where I live now. And so we drove from Salina, dropped the kids off at my in-law's house, and Kim and I went there. Well, um, so very first session with Amanda Purvis, we're sitting in the second row, weeping as she's telling these stories. And I get up and I go to the back of the room, and just to have... A cup of coffee and my bagel in peace. And my future boss, Beth, um, who had been my first TBRI caregiver trainer, she came back to me and she said, You know, I know you have a job, but I'd like you to come work for me. Wow. <laughs> and it was taught. So that was in early September um, of 2018. And by November of 2018, I was working full-time for the Kansas Post-Adoption Resource Center. The next April, I did my work to become a TBRI practitioner.
0: Well, that's great. So 2019. So I did mine in 2011. So <laughs> a few was, years
2: earlier. Yeah,
0: just a few years. But, okay, that is so great. Now, at the Kansas, now I'm going to say it wrong, Kansas Post-Adoption Resource Resource Center. Resource Center what was your, what did you do there? What, or let me ask this. What did you love doing there?
2: Ah, my favorite part was, well, my favorite parts taking calls from desperate parents. Um, And I, you know, let's face, you know, 40 years of pastoral ministry and I'm rich in compassion Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I had walked their journey and I had hope. So when they called, I listened, I talked, I encouraged I got their email and sent them. Here's all our resources, our training. Here's online resources you can find, you know, here's all this stuff. And then I, sometimes for some of the really desperate ones, I would walk them through their next 24 hours. How do you TBRI parent in the next 24 hours? You know, okay. When your kid gets in the car, I want you to show up with their favorite snack and a drink that they love. When they get in the car, don't ask them how it was just, you know, or don't quiz them or anything else. Just say these words. It's good to see you and then shut up.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: That's (laughs) awesome. That's great advice. And then I would, and then I walk them through the dinner time and the bedtime. And every time they said, I, you normally do this. I said, yes. See, you're instinctively doing the right thing. That back rub for your 13 year old grandson who you're raising. Yes. Do that. That's mm-hmm. a connecting activity. So, mm-hmm. you know, just walk them through them. Actually, the next 12 hours in some cases. Mm-hmm. So that was a favorite thing of mine to get the
0: crisis calls. So I want to I want to pause just for one second, because I realize that when we're talking about TBRI, we know what we're talking about. But I forget sometimes that there could be people completely new to us who are like, what the heck is TBRI? Can you just like very briefly tell people what it is?
2: Yes. I sure can. So trust-based relational intervention, TBRI, it is um, a system of, of parenting our children, and I like to talk that it's got four parts. The first part is a deep understanding of what happens to the brains of children who experienced early trauma, neglect, early medical treatment, all of those things and what it does to disrupt the normal brain and attachment development. So that first part is giving, getting that deep understanding that leads to a deep compassion for our kids. Then we realize that our children just need three things. They need emotional felt safety and they need physical felt safety and they need skills. So in TBRI, how do we provide emotional felt safety on the strategies to do that how to provide physical felt safety by giving them a voice and the strategies for that and then once our babies have emotional felt safety and physical felt safety then we can teach them the skills that they're that they're lacking
0: mhm okay that is great so for any of you listening who didn't know what we were talking about. I hope that was helpful and uh, we could put we will put some other resources about TBRI in the show notes of this episode as well. Okay, so you went, you became a TBRI practitioner. you had already left being a pastor. you're doing this work with Kansas and what was happening in your life? How are things going with your family?
2: Ah uh, well, in 2016, Um, our family got a a ovarian cancer diagnosis with my wife Um, and she went through, we went through several years of treatment and getting better and remission and then it coming back and treatment. So through 2016, 2017, you know, all, all through, all through that time. So in addition to, um, uh, whereas Kim was the lead parent and the smart parent and the good natural parent For all of those years, by 2017, by 2016, I had started taking on those duties and kind of became the single parent um, and still trying to work and parent my kids and support and love my wife and support all of our kids. And it was really, really difficult, challenging it was filled with painful experiences and glorious experiences. And I remember sitting in my backyard in Salina this one time and going through all of the bah, 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 bad stuff. And, I, and I'm going, but here's the thing. I like myself better than I ever have before. I like that what these horrible things in my life have done to me. None of these things are good things. They are all bad. But I really liked what it started shaping me into. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the process hasn't ended. I like myself. I'm in a better place now than I even was a couple of years ago. Um, even though we went through Kim's death in January of 2020. And, you know, there was grief and there was gratitude every day you know, since that time, I I have to, there was always something to be grateful for. And sometimes I just hung on to that.
0: And there's something beautiful that happens in these most painful, difficult, gut-wrenching circumstances when we have Jesus walking by our side. I mean, I know that suffering has really, uh, I have been driven more deeply into the arms of Christ through suffering, you know, and I would not choose it. I would not choose to have lost a child. I would not choose some of the suffering our family has experienced, but I have no regrets on how it has grown me in my faith and my compassion for other people. I know this is life, right? Yeah. Suffering and beauty and all of that all mixed together. And I think that's a lot of what parenting is and parenting children with early adversity is filled with this. You know, this is not an easy road. We parents are walking for sure.
2: Yeah. So, when you think about our poor kids, I mean, my kids. Thank you. Yes. So they, they lost their first mom and they had no stability those early years. And then they lost their second mom mm-hmm. and, and I've got healthier coping skills than either one of
0: my, my adopted kids. Yeah. Pat. So you make a really good point, Greg, that that our children, they have grief, even if they hadn't lost, even if your kids hadn't lost Kim, their second mom, all of our children who come to us through adoption and foster care have experienced deep, profound loss. You know, adoption is rooted in the tragedy of loss, and there's no way we can get around that. So they come with that. So there again, we have this. Um beauty and the brokenness and the suffering and the good and all of it. It's it's like this swirling thing, you know, in our lives and in our families and deep in our children's hearts too, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You, You had mentioned, you know, in terms of, of the faith component, we got the diagnosis, the cancer diagnosis on a, I think it was a Thursday and three days later, my son and I went to camp. I was the chaplain for the camp, Um, he was a camper and we you go the day, the day ahead, um, you know, so we went on Sunday afternoon and met with the staff and things like that. And we went to spend the night and for the very first time he was going to sleep in a different cabin than I was. I had always had him in my cabin, um, but things had gotten good enough. So he stayed with a couple of other counselors in another cabin. And I was in this cabin, um, we just spent the night and I got up in the morning and uh, headed out early before anybody else, because I always went to this spot where there's this fountain at camp with water flowing out of the fountain, out mm-hmm. or out of this rock. Mm. And that's where I spent every morning of camp for all years. That's what I did every morning. And so I was heading out the door and I kind of prayed towards my son. Okay, God, watch over him. In a flash, these words came to my head. I don't know why I'm bothering asking. You can't even take care of my wife.
0: Mm. And I went,
2: Oh, no bitterness here. But I went, I went to my spot and I was there and something happened is that I went through my morning retreat if I did. And I realized all the signs of God's presence that I had experienced every morning sitting in that spot over the years. It was still there. Mm. So I kind of went, okay, two things you are present and my wife has cancer. Yeah. Two things. You are present. My wife has cancer. I said, okay, that's, that's enough. Well, that was our journey. God was present and my wife had cancer and it wasn't smooth or always calm. And I wasn't always a pleasant person to be around. Sure. (laughs) My prayer life wasn't always (laughs) a warm and fuzzy experience.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But God did sustain you and he, you know, Kim did pass away, which is so, so it's not even been a year. Is that correct?
2: Uh, it's actually been over a year now because it okay, was January of 2020.
0: Okay. Okay. But still, it's, yeah. it's grief is a long process. It is. So we could do a whole episode on grief alone. So, um, so tell me. What? Why don't we move to, I mean, your ministry with families continued to flourish. You continue to meet lots and lots of needs. And then we had this wonderful opportunity to invite you to join us at the Adoption Connection. And, you know, we did that because we see such a need for support for dads. And, you know, Melissa and I are both moms, and we particularly wanted to provide support for dads. You don't only work with dads, you work with families as well. But do you want to talk about what you are doing now, what your vision is and what your hope is?
2: It's exciting to get to work with dads because I didn't have a lot of connections, you know, with with the dads. Um, As a matter of fact, we had a couple we have this one support group where um, it was rare for a dad to show up. But we had this one mom and she was always there. And her husband was always sitting off screen, listening <laughs> to everything, you know, cause so dads, it's just different. It's, you know, kind of want to observe. Um, but when I connected with that dad in about a 20 minute phone conversation, we connected because we understood each other and, and the struggle. So what I'm excited about partnering with you and, and Melissa on the adoption connection is getting to connect with dads. Uh, we've I've had two of the small, the, the support dad's only group, man, it was amazing because all four of us show up with our lives, a mess, our lives difficult. And that's understood. Mm
1: -hmm. There's
2: no pretense. Oh man, I'm, I'm just really doing it. I'm nailing it. I'm successful in business. I'm successful. in (laughs) That doesn't matter. There's Mm -hmm. no flexing. It's, I'm in a really hard spot and I can't believe that I get to hang out with four other guys that we get to do this. And yeah. so we simply share the hard and we encourage one another one another where it is and it's not me just encouraging. Just a couple of nights ago, I I just kept my mouth shut because two of the dads were talking to the third dad going this is it and just encouraging mm-hmm. him I'm going this is amazing. I don't even have to do all the work.
0: Yeah, sometimes we just get to witness the beauty of this community, because if there's anything we've all learned, we can't do this alone, you know, and, you know, we've, I've had a group, a community for moms for over two years, and it is so rich and so beautiful, and now you are offering something similar for dads. It is brand, brand new. I mean, I want dads to know a little bit about why you think community is so important
2: up until may of 2017 i was alone there was nobody on the there was nobody in my world who understood the struggle who had advice who wanted to spend time with me
0: <laughs>
2: who had resources or suggestions for me
0: useful ones
2: yeah, useful ones. That, <laughs> there are lots
0: right. of great ideas out there. But <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. Um, the, only, and the only support I had was those people who were willing to take my kids for a, a few hours to overnight so my wife and I could get some respite. You know? And when they're little, that, that happened more often. So for me, I want to walk this journey. I feel called to walk mm-hmm. this journey with other dads because I am a little bit further down the path than some dads. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so I, we could say I'm kind of a scout. Mm -hmm. I have covered some of the areas that you were going through. Um, And what I bring full on is the compassion of, of your soul and heart and crushed and grief and the frustration and the, and the anger, because this child is, is disrespecting your beloved,
0: Mm -hmm. you
2: know, and man, that that's just craziness. And I've got the compassion on that and I've got the connection. I actually can be a calm presence because I know that we can get through this, that life actually in my home right now has never been better with my son. My daughter is actually out on her own doing the college thing. We still have issues, But Mm -hmm. but she's she's operated at a higher level than she ever has before. Mm -hmm. So there is hope. So I bring the compassion and I bring the connection that, that there's hope. And I'm one of those. I'm a curious person. And so I have explored tons of resources and add resources and said, well, let me tell you what I found here, I heard about this resource, check this out. And, you know, whether it's links or videos or, or people or things like that. So I bring, I bring resources as well.
0: I love it. We're at the very beginning of having you with the Adoption Connection. You've started this wonderful group just for dads. You also do private coaching.
2: So during the pandemic, our, our team trained hundreds of adoptive foster families, professionals child welfare workers, all sorts. And I just got in the groove of doing that. And then I would balance that with, I would get to have time on the phone when people called and just said, I'm in this situation. What do I do? And what's the path? What's my path through this? And I'm able to do that. So I'm also doing private coaching because I guess one of the things I like to do is to hear about where the people are in their situation and, of course, have the compassion, the connection, and then to make some suggestions. OK, here's another step. You've got three choices here of, of what you can do. What area do you work on? Although usually in the conversation, I've already identified their strengths mm-hmm. and I'm able to go, OK, you're already doing this. Take it to this next level. Are you interested in learning, uh, you know, so I, Enneagram is a, is a wonderful tool mm-hmm. that for me, it's for self awareness and self acceptance. Um, that's and vital and, uh, and then, and then the growth.
0: Yeah. Sorry. So, Did I jump ahead there? <laughs>
2: no, no. I see. I had forgotten to say that, uh-huh. but with going to the, the self awareness and self acceptance, that was so important for me. Wait a minute. I am who I am and I'm okay. Who I am. I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet, but that self-validation as an Enneagram type four immersed in shame, you know, all of that stuff. I needed to know I am who I am and that's okay, but I I don't have to, I am loved who I am, but I don't have to stay this way. And then the Enneagram path has given me a path for growth. So that's one thing that I bring to the conversation Um, with, with setting up a time with a, with an actual couple that I'll do at the same time. And we're going to work through Enneagram and their growth and they mm-hmm. want to do it together because they want to they want to be united in this and hear what's what's being said mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and how they can help each other grow. So that's a coaching thing. I can coach for resources. I can come coach po- coach for attachment. I also became a making sense of your worth uh, facilitator, and that was amazing because in trust based relational intervent- intervention, one of the components is do your attachment work. Well, Cindy Lee at Halo Project goes, uh, what does that mean? Right. And so she created this nine-week, eight, nine-week process of how to do your attachment. So uh, I'm not sure if that completely answers your yeah. uh, your yeah. questions about coaching, but I've, I haven't seen it all. I wish I could say I have, but I know there's things of actually things going in ho- on in homes that that I actually have no idea about, but I've seen a lot in my own home and I've already walked with families who have seen really deeply big, challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I've got some experience there.
0: Yeah, Melissa and I always say nothing will surprise us because we've seen enough that even if it's something new, it's not going to surprise us. So, well, I want to mention that um, to be part of the dad group And if you're interested in the Enneagram, to be part of our Enneagram group called the Enneagram and Adoption Collective, those are both available in our community called The Village. So we would love for you to consider joining The Village so you can be part of those groups. We also have webinars and uh, there's a group just for moms called The Hope Circle. So we will have um, information about that in the show notes, but I believe it's just the adoptionconnection.com slash village. And then you can also on our website find information about private coaching, either with Greg or with Melissa or with me. We're really delighted to offer that as well. So Greg, you are a gift to the adoption connection. I'm so excited to see how the Lord's going to use you to serve families and in particular dads. This is going to be a gift to so many people in the adoption community.
2: Well, thank you. Uh, it's very, it's been, extremely exciting and and satisfying with the connections that I've already been honored to make.
1: Lisa, I loved that conversation with Greg. It was really fun to hear parts of his story that I'd never heard before. And as I said at the beginning, just thrilled, 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 thrilled to have him as part of our team. So excited for the Adoption Connection to be able to offer such a unique resource a dad only resource to our families.
0: Yes, it's something we've really talked about for a period of time just that need and I'm I'm just so pleased that Greg is stepping right into it and doing such a phenomenal job to serving the dads in our community. So, you know, we're really excited about the dad group. So, just for listeners of the podcast, we want to invite dads to join the village where the dad group lives. For half off their first month using the code DAD in all caps when you register, so you can find more information or register at theadoptionconnection.com/village. You can also find all the you can also find all this information in the show notes for today's episode, including information on how to connect with Greg. You'll find all of that at theadoptionconnection.com/146.
1: Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram as The Adoption Connection, or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks
0: so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work.
1: The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevier.